Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome everyone to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S. Today we're broadcasting to you from all over uh, America. I'm in the suburbs of Phoenix, not in studio today, as we're trying to be safe with the COVID increases here in the Phoenix area. And our guest, uh, who I'll be introducing in a moment, will be joining us from Texas. Before we get into the show today, a few announcements to make. I want to thank the Pittsburgh PMI chapter. They put on their professional development day last week uh, in association with the Pitt Agile Group. And uh, they had invited me to come in and speak about the purpose-driven PMO. We had a great session on that. So I want to thank them for that participation and hope that event went well for them. Also wanted to thank everybody who participated in the VP MMA fundraiser that we had going on to honor our veterans and military spouses last week. We had great assistance from our partners with Arizona State University, IIL, PMI, and of course, all the different sponsors, vendors, and donors who participated. So thank you everyone for helping that great cause. Certainly also wanna thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad. They're the premier PMO consulting firm in the US, offering PMO as a service, agile and PM resources, PMO consulting and training for all of your delivery needs. Check them out at www.thepmosquad.com. Also a reminder to go out and visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to check out all of our past episodes and see which guests we have coming up in our next several episodes. I am excited today to have our guest join us. Jason Westland is joining us from Texas. Thank you, Jason for joining us. Hey, Joe. Yeah, it looks like you've got a nice uh, Texan background there for me with uh, with cactuses. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, I wish that was my backyard. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly a, a nice view here in Arizona. And, and I spent several years in Texas as well, so it uh, wasn't down in your part, part of the woods, but I was up in the Fort Worth area, uh, and we loved our time there. If you could take a moment just to say hello to the audience and introduce yourself to let everybody know a little bit more about you. Sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, Jason Wesson, I'm the CEO of uh, projectmanager.com. Pretty easy name to remember if you're a project manager, projectmanager.com. And yeah, we offer online uh, software as a service uh, solutions for managing projects and work. So it's particularly targeted at uh, experienced uh, project managers, you know, professional project managers, and also PMOs. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. So let's talk some project management and learn more about you. The first thing I wanted to share is we met, I guess it's several months ago now, and you had shared this awesome story of how this all started with projectmanager.com. Share, share that with the audience. Let everybody know how these companies start right in the boardroom and, and these great ideas come about. <laughs> 
Uh, well, the first thing is, uh, like many listeners on the call, you know, I was a, a man on a mission in project management. I was managing projects sort of back to back without a break. You know, stress levels were really high. Excuse my New Zealand accent, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, you know, along with it, uh, you know, the start of grey hairs. So one thing that used to always cause me stress was just knowing at a glance, is my project on time or not? Like it's a really simple question. And, uh, you know, in the end, I was managing some pretty big programs of work. We had a budget for all kinds of tools. Uh, but, you know, we still had to default to Excel and pull down all the data, massage it, manipulate it. Are we on time or not? And then the following day, the data was out of date. So you had to pull it again. <laughs> Um, so one day I was at a conference and the topic of the conference was, you know, how do you build a software as a service platform uh, if you have a known pain point? And I thought, shucks, I have a known pain point. You know, I'm a project manager. This pain point has not been solved. So I thought, I'm going to stop complaining to others about it. I'm going to do something about it. Let me just make a couple of quick phone calls, uh, you know, in the one-hour break that we had for lunch. So the first thing I thought was, you know, I've got to have a fantastic name. So I thought, well, you know, without even looking into it, just off the top of my head, projectmanager.com was really the best name that I could think of. So I looked in the Whois directory and GoDaddy, and amazingly, the guy's name, telephone number, home address, and mobile number were all listed there. Like, that doesn't normally happen. So I called him, and he happened to be at a barbecue. He was uh, pretty upset. He just had the latest of his um, new credit card bills. He couldn't, uh, he, he couldn't pay them off. The house was up. Like, he was going to lose everything. Um, and I said to him, look, you know, for that immediate debt, if I pay that off to you right now, this second, give me your bank account details. <laughs> I will deposit it, but through a broker, of course. You know, you've got to, uh, I'll put this money into a broker's account. Uh, you transfer the name to the broker. We'll do this pretty much live on the call. And uh, and if that's the case, tomorrow morning you'll wake up, you'll be fresh and, uh, and no stress. And so we did it, you know, uh, about a half hour later, the uh, the broker confirmed he transferred the name. You know, I transferred the money, and uh, and I had it. <laughs> so then the second call during my lunch break was I thought, shucks, I've got to have the best team. So, uh, so the best CTO that I knew of in New Zealand. You know, I, I managed software projects all my life. So, uh, I called him. Unbelievably, he just resigned the the prior day from his his current role. And he said, yeah, look, I'd love to work with you again. And he said, in fact, look, uh, I've got this great team that I've worked with that, uh, that you know, I, I could pull together you know, by the end of the day. And, uh, and he did. So in that lunch break, I kind of had the, uh, the, you know, the, the best team I could possibly want. <laughs> and then the third thing was uh, I thought, shucks, this is going to cost a fortune. And I think I had a million dollars in savings personally at that time and a, and a house you'll learn soon how I blew all of that in the first few years building this thing, bootstrapping it. But uh, I thought I'm going to need, you know, I'm going to need to remortgage the house. So, uh, so I called the bank manager. The house was uh, worth just under a million. The manager said, this is in the days before the financial crisis of 2008. The manager said, look, I'll write a letter right now to give you a million dollar mortgage on the house. So I was able to mortgage 100% of the house. So in that lunch break, I had the name, I had the money, and I had the team to kick it off. Uh, and then, of course, I sat back at the end of my lunch break when the next uh, conference uh, speaker started, and I thought, what the heck have I done? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's how all businesses start, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's just on lunch. Break. Maybe not. Maybe not that fast. <laughs> At that point, you should have asked the conference, "Hey, can I get a session later in the afternoon? I just figured out how to do all this in the lunch break." <laughs> yeah, it was it was a productive first day of the conference. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That that has to be the best story I've ever heard on a, a successful company starting. Right? We, we've probably had similar. Yeah, stories from companies that didn't stand the test of time, but certainly <laughs> no, it was just one of those things. It was meant to be. Yeah, yeah. I went to my wife that night and said, "Look, I can't control it. It's it's all happened." <laughs> so, you know, you take that story and then you start asking, "Okay, why why didn't you seek investment? Right? Why did you put your house up? Right? I mean, that, that yeah. you took all the risk at that point." Uh, yeah, so in fact, uh, the amount of risk I took initially was pretty extensive. Um, so firstly, in New Zealand, uh, there's not a lot of options for VC funding. There are sort of three funds. They don't do true early stage. And at that stage, it was really just an idea. And I guess the first risk that I took was, you know, I didn't spend the first couple of months talking to my target audience, talking to customers. And the reason why I didn't do that was just because I was the target audience. You know, <laughs> I knew what the pain point was. I'd spoken to uh, you know, other project managers for most of my career. Yeah. Uh, and so I was pretty confident. But yeah, not only did I, uh, well, I didn't raise the cash because there weren't too many options. I started, I mortgaged the house first and I had a couple of sideline small startups. I took all the revenue from that, dipped into this company. I then, uh, an acquirer come along for those two. I sold those two, put the money into this. Uh, I then remortgaged the house uh, because, uh, you know, over the first year, the, the house had got up in value. So I took another half a million dollars on it. I then took every credit card out you could possibly imagine. And I remember clearly this uh, one night, it was like a Sunday night. And I said to my wife, look, this major release is going live tomorrow. You know, if, if this release doesn't go well, you know, we're bankrupt. <laughs> and luckily, we kind of smashed it. Uh, the 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 product was super fast, super reliable, and uh, and within a month, uh, we had both NASA and the United Nations sign up their entire IT teams using it for project management. So yeah, a lot of risk and a lot of debt. And then uh, you know, over the next two years, I, I paid all that debt off. And no pressure, right? Uh, <laughs> you, you just better make it work. Now, you mentioned, uh, referenced New Zealand a couple of times, but you, as we talked at the beginning here, you're actually in Texas. How, what's that story? How do you get from New Zealand to Texas? That's quite a leap of uh, geography. Yeah, and in fact, the conference that I went to was one that I visited uh, at a last minute. I was actually living in the south of France. Um, so I'd been managing projects for my career in New Zealand and in England. Uh, and then we settled in the south of France, kind of bought our dream house. And then I had this idea for the business at the conference. And I said to my wife, look, we're going to have to... We'd have to move uh, back to New Zealand for a couple of years to build this, and then we moved back to the south of France. But, but it was only me in the early years doing sales, customer success, marketing, everything other than software development. And so, I thought, well, where is the best place? And firstly, most you know, sixty percent of our customers are based in the US. But secondly, the US is such an amazing place to find talent. Uh, you can go after really niche roles like uh, we've just uh, we just looked to hire this week a conversion rate optimization specialist who specializes in software as a service 
you know, that role wouldn't even exist in uh, many places in Europe, certainly, certainly not in New Zealand or Australia. But here the market's so big, there's so much talent and everything is online. Uh, so uh, customers are online, you know, most uh, staff are, or candidates are, that are seeking work are online. Um, yeah, it's just the best place to hire. So we we moved to uh, to the US and Austin uh, is you know, a beautiful place to live, lots of lakes and water, great weather, lovely people. And uh, yeah, outside of that, a really good market for recruitment. That's awesome. We're, we're certainly glad you uh, chose to come here and, and brought your product with you, right? Tell So projectmanager.com, an amazing name, probably the best name you could, you could have outside of projectmanagement.com. And we chatted a little bit before the show. It's a separate site, of course. Do you have to deal with conflict of uh, brand recognition because of the project management versus projectmanager.com? Yeah, in the early days we did. And when uh, it was, uh, you know, before that, uh, it was a, you know, it had a different domain name. Um, but yeah, in those early days before uh, PMI acquired the site, then, yeah, some people would go to project management or they'd, they'd come to projectmanager.com and go, where's my content? Or they go to projectmanagement.com and go, hey, look, uh, you know, where's my software? So I struck a relationship with the CEO there. And uh, and so, you know, we'd pass each other the, the relevant leads. But then it got acquired by PMI and we've had no no problems since. And our, our brand recognition now is super strong in the market. Uh, and that's because of all of the, uh, the, the, the new uh, free content that we put out. Obviously, we're in a COVID world these days and the world has had to learn to work remote and learn to work online, right? We're doing a a podcast on a Zoom call, right? Uh, Certainly is not the way we would have been doing this otherwise. Sure. How has that helped or hurt uh, your software as a service model with projectmanager.com? Well, we have online work from home software. So uh, that's the first thing, which uh, which does help, of course. So in our space, things are really thriving. The other thing is that I find really interesting in the market is the definition of what is a project manager has totally changed in the last sort of five years. So, you know, I used to be a project manager, managed large projects. I was the only project manager at the time and there's some of these large companies. And, uh, and I had a full-time team and I was PMI certified. Um, these days, you can have a post-it note. It's on your fridge at home. It's a gardening project. It's got like five things on it that you're doing with your wife. And someone will literally go to their you know, iOS app over here and, uh, and type in project management software, download Trello, and start using it. Yeah. So, yeah, Forrester come out with a, a great quote a little while ago and basically said every knowledge worker on the planet, on the, on the planet is a, a project manager, whether they know it or not. And, uh, and so with that, suddenly, yeah, the entire industry has just exploded because now project management you know, as a target market is, in fact, everyone in business. So our software's had to adapt to that so that that post-it note scenario, you need to go to be able to projectmanager.com, take the personal edition and have a Kanban board there and just you know, manage a small amount of work on it. While at the same time, flip over to another view and you might have that same person might be an IT director as an example or an IT PMO manager and have a uh, you know 1,000 line Gantt chart that they're reporting off. Well, that's amazing. So that, yeah, with, with COVID, the entire industry has had to change overnight. So, so again, I think flexibility in the app, right? Personal yeah, at home right. use. Uh, right, because yep. you know, on my desk here, I've got a, a scrum on the board 
scrum on the go board that John McCaskill had built, right? Where yep, yep. In, in your house, you you just walk around, at least some project management nerds like me, right? <laughs> and you're doing Kanban and, and scrum in, inside your own home. And yet you're able, you were able to do that plus at the enterprise level. Yeah, and it's even more extensive than that. Like the board really convinced me about four years ago to take two solid months out, uh, red flagged, you know, not talking to anyone in the company, and just do effectively a roadshow with customers. And so I spent, you know, two months with uh, our, our 50 plus user accounts. So all of our top customers understanding the requirements. And what I found that was really interesting is that basically not only do you have um, a person doing personal work and at one end of the scale and the other end of the scale, they might be a, you know, an IT PMO uh, that, uh, you know, big team and they're across um, <clears throat> all projects in a large enterprise. But if you take a single team between those two, uh, say it's an IT director and they've got a team of 200, every person in that team might want to work a different way. So uh, until recently, uh, until we come along, you know, a, someone might like using Kanban boards, so they use Trello. Another person likes using lists, so they use Asana. Another person likes using Gantt charts, so they use projectmanager.com or, um, or Microsoft Project, and someone likes using spreadsheets, so they use Excel or Smartsheet. <clears throat> so my vision for the company was a simple yet powerful way to get work done. And that meant building the world's first, what we call multi-view product. And that means uh, within that one team, uh, anyone can work in a view or a way that suits them, whether it's a Gantt view, a sheet view, a list view, a board view, et cetera. And uh, you've got the same project data being updated live concurrently. And that's where the entire industry is going now, but we were kind of first to market. But again, it just shows how this whole market has changed. You know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, people only managed projects in one way, and that was with Gantt charts. Yeah, and, and I think at that point, right, it was a project managed uh, Microsoft project world. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned it, right? These phones come out and all of a sudden we can do work on our phone, right? It's not just an email. That's it's, right. Yeah. I've got Asana and Trello loaded on there that I'm, I'm working on, right? But I don't run projects on them. So having a tool like yours, I think, helps bring it's bringing the profession to a modern place, right? It's giving us the tools we need in a modern world. Yep. So you had mentioned earlier, it kind of escaped me for a second, but your first, did you say you were your first client was NASA in the United Nations? That's right. So start small, right? You don't bring yeah, that a, a big boy. In fact, NASA called. And uh, uh, in those days, we just had a... Um, you know, a telephone number with a, a voicemail service on it, and then I'd, I'd make all the calls back myself. And I said, do you realize, you know, we've got these large teams actually using it at the moment? Like, have you not looked up our domain name? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like at one stage, the International Space Station, we're using it for, for projects. Um, like, it's, yeah, it's really cool to be able to see all the different use cases. And exciting as a project manager too, because, you know, seeing you know, the, the wide diversity of projects around the world. So how, when did this start? We have the great origin story. When, give us a time frame. When, when was that? Uh, 2008. So 12 years now, over a little over a decade's gone by. You land two whales right out of the boat, right? With NASA <laughs> and the United Nations. What have you learned on this journey, right? <laughs> 
Uh, well, I've learned quite a bit in terms of uh, how to manage a business and what to do and uh, and not do. <laughs> so I guess the first thing is, you know, what did I get wrong? What did I what did I not do right? And uh, taking a step back, you know, uh, my first project was just over two and a half million dollars. My last program of work for British Rail was two billion, and so I, I was always I don't know, saw myself as a big picture thinker. Now that meant that the day that I had this idea and I pulled this team together, you know, we got these massive A zero uh, charts or pieces of paper, sat them across this huge table, and then I just laid out all the features I wanted to build. And uh, I almost got, you know, I, I knew the pinbock off by heart. So I just went change management, risk management, issue management, you know, project planning, uh, communications. And I spec'd out what was effectively an enterprise, you know, level product. Um, and so the first failure really was that we just then went and built it. Uh, that's not how you build products these days. You apply a, a lean startup uh, mentality. You take one feature, you build that, you get it right, you use the test it before you built it, after you built it, you take that feedback, you you make it free, you um, you know, that enormous amount of traction you get with it, you invest in the second feature and you scale it out slowly, uh, horizontally. Uh, we went uh, horizontally to what I'd say is at least a sub-enterprise category like in the first release. <laughs> um, and yeah, what we got wrong was, you know, it was slow and buggy initially. Uh, it was what we were trying to do is tough. Microsoft Project even went online at that stage. And we were yeah. building the world's first online Gantt chart. And uh, the first thing we had was a customer come in. They had a, a project plan that was a thousand tasks long and they clicked and all, all linked changed the uh, the plan finish date of the first task and uh you know <laughs> the system just stopped <laughs> so then we realized shucks you know we've gone too wide we need to re-architect and so we uh we did that but the one thing that i did get well obviously we rebuilt it super fast and it was that uh and and i said look we're gonna have a zero tolerance policy for bugs and it was that night that i said to my wife either we're bankrupt or this is going to go well <laughs> Um, but the thing that we did get right was the feature set, and uh, and that's simply because you know I was an ex-project manager and knew what was what was needed. And so now, when you're when you're talking evolution and new features, right? You mentioned the the different views that you have. Do you have? Obviously, it's not you anymore. The team that's working on that you you designed it because you were a project manager. Yeah, that's right. So how do you how do you come up with these designs? You mentioned the roadshow with your customers, but how about internally on your team? Or do you still have PMs that have kind of yep. evolved into uh, designers now or product managers? Maybe. Yeah, I had well giving up the product was the single hardest thing that I had to do really as a CEO. Like it's one thing to give up finance and talk debits and credits, and another thing to to give up sort of customer success and even marketing. But yeah, giving up uh, the day to day control of the product, you know, I struggled with for a little period of time. But of course, you know. The company's much larger now, and you know, my first hire was a product manager, and then a senior product manager, and then now we've got a VP of product, and we've also got you know people that cover the uh, the UX design and uh, take customer feedback and apply that all into a um, a learning cycle and a you know professional product uh, development life cycle. So yeah, we have a, a full team uh, in place now that uh, set the strategy and uh, I still maintain the vision, but uh, manage all of the day-to-day. -day. 
and it's it's primarily customer fed like we do not release a feature unless it's had really serious customer feedback uh, or it's been driven heavily by customers and how so again i i, I sit back as a former PMO director, and, and now obviously running the PMO squad as a consultant, helping clients out there. And when we interact with clients, they always talk software, of course, and, and you hear kind of the big boys of plan view and clarity, maybe change point or, or right comes into that mix. Sure. How does, how do you fit into that, that mix, right? With those competitors? Sure. Are, are you serving that same market or are you going after a different market? Where sure. does projectmanager.com come into play? Yeah, well, two things. Firstly, you might have noticed that uh, Workfront and PlanView are both acquired uh, this week yeah. uh, for, uh, well, in the last week uh, for 1.5 billion each. Yep. So pretty big successes in the market. Uh, but that just goes to show that the demand for enterprise software is extensive at the moment. But to be selling at that level, like they're selling a minimum ACB or average contract value uh, of 100,000 and, you know, they're going for million dollar licenses. So they're really selling to, you know, nuclear power plants and you know, these, these top end big teams. And then you have sort of Reich and Asana who primarily, you know, they've got a, a freemium based model. And, uh, and if you're looking for a, a cheap, lightweight uh, app that, uh, you know, it's fully portable to your phone and, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, I don't want to belittle them too much, but, you know, that post-it note scenario, uh, yeah. then uh, in that case, you know, they're great products for that. We're kind of in the sub-enterprise space. So say you're a, a PMO, you've got 200 uh, people that you're overseeing, whether that's uh, direct reports or not, right? or you're an IT director as an example, you're in a decent department. In that case, what you really want is something that has some of those enterprise features like workload management, resource management, uh, reporting and dashboards, but you probably uh, you know, don't want to have to go through a six-month sales cycle to get it. Right. So yeah, we have a self-service business model. Uh, so we have those uh, enterprise-capable features with self-service. So you can literally just go to the site, get a free trial. So it's it's working, right? How How has your company grown? Right, we we get the story. Yeah. The house is up. It, this better work, or else we're going bankrupt. Here we are, a decade plus later. You're still in business, so it's working. How is how is the company doing over that period of time? Uh, we've gone well. Like uh, <clears throat> you know, this year hasn't closed out yet, but last year we grew revenue by fifty one percent. So you know, we're in the uh, you know the the Texas sort of top five hundred, Austin top five hundred, uh, Inc. dot com. Uh, you know, award categories. Um, so yeah, the business has gone really well. So take a, a kind of slight little turn on that. Again, as a, a consultant that's out there talking to customers, we get feedback and they need help with resource management or they need help with portfolio management. We work with them on the process side of that. Yep. What do you see from a software provider that PMOs are struggling with or asking for help with, asking for technology to help them solve the business process problem? Yeah, it's really visibility is the number one thing that we're seeing. And you know, as a PMO director, like I 
they've managed large PMOs in the past. Um, <clears throat> you know, you've got supportive and controlling and a whole different uh, variety of uh, types of PMOs. But the number one thing that a PMO is responsible for is uh, you know, is communication within the organisation. Uh, you know, upmarket up to the the executive to be able to help set strategy and provide feedback on current initiatives. And they have to have live real-time visibility of everything that's going on. So that's where uh, we built this um, kind of unique infrastructure. So my whole theory was uh, people, are, team members are updating the status of tasks. As that is happening, the project plans are being updated live real time for the project manager. They don't have to do these, you know, stand-ups going, Bob, what's the status of this task? And then dashboards are being updated automatically real time. And then you can see at a glance, you know, am I on time or not? Uh, so for PMOs, that visibility, communication, reporting, I think is the most you know, important thing. Yeah, and, and we get that same feedback, right? It, it's my executive wants to know something and I have to tell him I'll let you know tomorrow after I go run my overnight reports, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we're, it's 2020, right? We can't be, we have yeah. to real time like that. That's right. Even Amazon can deliver within 24 hours. <laughs> That's right. So you said what you did, uh, you gave us some examples of what didn't, I guess, did wrong. How about what you, again, looking hindsight now, right? What did you do right? Obviously, you should be very proud of the company that you've built and the product that you have serving the market. You had to have done a lot of things right along the way to get there. <laughs> what are some of those really good lessons learned to share? I think the one thing that we did right from the start was the fact that we were bootstrapped. You know, uh, I had no budget at all for marketing, sales, customer success. It was just me, seven developers in New Zealand, tester, you know, et cetera, initially. And so, and we were just blowing money like crazy simply because it's all highly efficient. It's going straight into the, the building of the product. But, uh, but, you know, I needed to be able to market the site. Like having the domain is one thing, spending a couple of grand and getting a website up and running is another. But how do you promote it? And even now, you know, Workfront and others are paying over $100 a click uh, for, uh, you know, Smartsheet, Rike, et cetera, yeah. uh, and Google AdWords. So in those days, it would have been sort of 15 to $20 a click. Uh, so I just couldn't afford it. So I thought, well, what can I offer that's our strength? And for me, uh, I've got quite a bit of project management experience. And I thought, shucks, I'm just going to offer that to the market and see what happens, you know, the pay it forward model. Yeah. So, uh, so the first thing I did was I wrote a newsletter. And uh, then I uh, created a whole bunch of templates and put those up on the website for free. Then I created a blog. And all of this was not content about our business. And in fact, even to this day, we don't put out content on our website about our business. You know, all of our content is to help the industry uh, to learn how to manage projects more successfully. So if you go to our blog, it's really just about how to manage projects better, not about, hey, you know, we achieved this this week. Uh, so yeah, then I created a, a YouTube channel and uh, like right now it's got more than 20 million uh, in it. We created it or I created a LinkedIn group. It's the largest in the market. I think it's got close to half a million people. Uh, it's called the Project, Manage Project Manager Community in LinkedIn. Uh, so I created these big communities and then I provided all those communities with uh, just learning and experience. And, uh, and that 
kind of pay it forward model worked. People loved the content. So I spent, I'd say the first five years really, just really creating content. And, uh, and that's what fueled all of the organic marketing that we have. So right now we have over uh, 1.2 million unique visitors a month. Uh, we have more traffic than Reich and Nasana, and yet we're not putting out any content about ourselves. So yeah, yeah other than you go to the website, there's obviously the, the product pages, but all the free resources are there just to help people. Well, and that's that's the point of what we're trying to do anyway, right? Uh, same for us. We're the yep. you know, our product, uh, our main service we offer our customers is purpose-driven PMO. Right, because if you don't attach that purpose to it to, to try to assist the company achieve its mission, well, then what are we doing? And it sounds like your, your organization is very similar, right? You're trying to help the industry achieve what it needs to achieve. And definitely. Yep. This, we're customer-centric. I love that. That's, that's great. If you, if you could uh, kind of change one thing, right? You're thinking back on this journey, you go back, what would be one thing that you'd, you wish yeah. you could do different? I would probably have offered the guy that owned projectmanager.com half the price and seen if he'd take it. <laughs> you were on a lunch break. You had to act quick. You didn't have time to negotiate, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, there's, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of things that I probably want to, uh, want to change. So I think uh, the main thing I would have changed in the life uh, of the company is I would have come to America a lot faster. Uh, a lot earlier, uh, like I really held off thinking that it's, it's possible to do what I wanted to do outside. And I'm sure, you know, in lots of locations it is, but south of France is very limited. New Zealand's quite a small place. Uh, and yet uh, in the US, it really is the land of choice. Uh, so I would have come here five years beforehand. Uh, and, you know, we would have scaled in those early years much faster because I would have been able to find the, the verticalized talent that I needed. And so 12 years, how, how long was it before you came to the States? Uh, I've been here for six. Six, okay. So yeah, so I would have come here after the first two years. Yeah. Okay. What's good though is you've got the success even in twice. <laughs> I mean, that's what counts. You, the story you tell us, the origin story, you're at a conference on how to start a software as a service business. You've now started one. I imagine you could host your own conference about this now. What are... You know, people listening, we have a diverse audience, right? Project managers, PMO leaders, consultants, contractors, um, vendors that, that build software like you have. What would be some of the keys to success that you would share to start a SaaS business model? Uh, I think the, uh, the first thing is that lots of people have great ideas. and. Uh, I had what happened to be a great idea, <laughs> and I happened to have that unique experience, which uh, meant that I was the exact target market. Uh, and it's not often that that happens. Um, but uh, you know, I have other ideas currently for you know social media platforms, as an example, and uh, uh, you know for teenagers. Well, clearly I'm not a teenager, <laughs> so uh, I think if you have an idea. And you're not your exact target market, then it's so important firstly to prove that out. So you know, spend a good couple of months speaking to as many customers in that target market, asking all the relevant questions. You know, 
would you want to pay for this? How much would you want to pay? You know, what would be the unique value prop to you? You know, think about how you'd upsell, cross-sell, but how you'd really add benefits to that customer um, before you invest anything, uh, really, even a lot of time in that idea. Um, the second thing that I think uh, is kind of a key to success is uh, I would plan my finances early. So going from idea to execution, uh, in fact, my methodology in all of business is strategy, test, execute. <laughs> so test before you execute uh, your idea. But, uh, but I think as you plan your finances, you know, the first couple of years of the start of any business, you'll just save an awful lot of stress. So you know, work out how much money you need to get the idea off the ground, uh, how many people you need, what marketing budget and all the rest then try and trim, trim, trim it back, get it to a point where you think this is really the minimum viable product that I can produce, uh, and then make sure you've got the funds. In my case, uh, I just invested my life savings, I mortgaged the house, I've got every credit card. Like I probably couldn't have taken a higher risk if I had uh, gone to the casino and just uh, invested everything on black. Sure. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's the second thing is if I had planned my finances out, I would have realized the cash burn it took to get the product um, out the door. And then I would have probably cut back that product, you know, substantially in the early days. Uh, the third thing I think that is most critical when you're starting a business is your first three hires, I think, are the most critical that you make in the entire life of the company. So in my case, I happened to, uh, to get that right. Now, the first hire was someone I worked with for a long time. The next two hires were other people that I, I had worked with a long time. They were super senior guys that could scale to a $100 million plus revenue company. And uh, so I had that kind of foresight of the caliber of talent that I needed. So I think that's really important up front. Um, it's tempting just to, to kind of go in sometimes with ideas with friends and colleagues, but do think, sort of five, 10 years out, you know, are we going to be great business partners together? Because no matter who you hire as your first couple of hires, <laughs> um, they're going to be a business partner. I, I think the, I don't know, I've got a couple of others to throw at you if that helps. Well, well one that, that resonated <laughs> with me, one of my favorite shows, just when I, I don't want to think about it, right, just entertainment purposes, is a show called Gold Rush. Mm-hmm. And yep. they're they're just gold miners, right? And they just tape them. It's just yep. a, a show to watch, but it's fun to to see what they go through. Um, and they drill holes before they decide to go mine the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, and and I think that you said strategy, test, execute. You essentially, yep. right in the gold rush mindset, you were you drill holes before you you go you know dig the ground up, right? That's right. And before you, you drill the hole, you know, you've got to have a strategy. You've got to do your market research, you know, work out where is the, the potential for, you know, ore in the ground. Um, there's only so many holes you can dig, dig in a day, so you've got to be pretty careful about it. <laughs> and it's expensive if you dig a hole and there's nothing there. That's right. Right. Yep. And, and as somebody, again, I'm a business owner as well, right? We're, we're not quite as long as you, but we're almost eight years in. So yep. I've learned a lot of lessons along the way too, right? And I didn't have that same mindset when we started of that strategy test and execute. I've learned that along the way. And I think for new people starting a business, it's always, wow, I have this great idea. Well, does anybody else think it's a great idea? Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, 
it, it might not, right? So that test component really is important before you make that large investment. Especially in the early days, but uh, and, and you know, if you like one of our competitors and you take on fifty mil, you can you, you really don't need to test. You can just you know sure. throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Right. <laughs> but uh, early days, and if you're bootstrapping it, you've you've only got so many hours in a day. You've got to be very specific with what you work on. And even as a project manager, you know, I've I've got a very strict regime. You know, I get up first thing in the morning, I plan my day. Uh, not just the week or the month ahead, and I look at what can I, what, which meetings can I call today, which can I rearrange, you know, which can I delegate, uh, and then I structure my day and I think how can I best add value to the role that I'm doing. Uh, so I th- and then at the end of the day I recap, and uh, this is kind of the stoic approach, you know, and you think, uh, you know, what did I get right today? What can I, how can I, how can I improve, you know, what I what I did today. I think the other thing you touched on, uh, you mentioned bootstrapping the company, right? You learn cash flow early on when it's your cash, right? Uh, (laughs) It's not just how much cash, it's how you utilize it. Uh, I think it's important for people to understand. Yeah. And in fact, one of the things that I got wrong was I never paid myself for the first maybe seven or eight years. Um, and I remember the company was going really well and we were just reinvesting and one of my staff came into the office and he said, Jason, this week, I want you to pay yourself $10,000. I said, oh my gosh, that's like, you know, whatever it is, a, a fifth of a staff member. <laughs> I could, you know, five of those, I could hire someone. He said, no, no, I don't think you're appreciating the true value of money. You've invested everything, which is great. Now you've had it paid back, uh, take it out. So I took it out and I thought, shut. 10 grand in New Zealand, you could buy a nice car with that. I, I actually, I went to the bank. He forced me to, to bring the cash back to the office and we had the cash sitting there and we looked at it and went, this is a lot of money. Uh, straight after that, we trimmed back, uh, you know, most of our marketing spend. <laughs> um, so that was a bit of a life-changing moment. <laughs> I, I bet it was, but all business owners go through that, right? It, it's that struggle of how to um, own your business, delegate the roles and responsibilities within it, and then also the finances within it as well. Yep. Um, obviously, you've grown a, a really successful company, and and you guys are doing awesome, and and the future is bright. I, I can't imagine. Although you started it by yourself, you must have help with this now. Is there a board of directors? Is there a leadership team? How has that helped you as well? Yeah, we've got uh, two uh, board members in addition to myself. So there's uh, Guy Hedleton. Uh, so uh, Guy founded a company called Adatum, and uh, they were sold to Cognos for a large amount. He then founded Anaplan, which has currently got a multi-billion dollar um, valuation on the, uh, on the stock exchange. Um, and then we've got uh, Herb Hunt. So uh, Herb uh, was uh, CEO of uh, IBM, CTO of uh, uh, Siebel Systems. He managed uh, Siebel, Tom Siebel. Super smart guys, you know, independently wealthy um, and just great business mentors for me. I, I love to surround myself with, um, you know, really smart people because there's always – uh, something to learn, and particularly off these two, they make me feel like a child sometimes. <laughs> well, you you had the idea, you had experience as a project manager. What did you get from them 
in, in their experiences with heavy as you mentioned, right, some pretty successful businesses themselves, right? What did they bring to the company as, as they grew, as you grew with your products? I think the first thing is they stopped me from making silly mistakes. Uh, so having someone, but, but there aren't many people within a company that will stand up to the CEO and say, hey, look, you're doing the wrong thing. We are fortunate in our company, we've got quite a lot of those. <laughs> in fact, I'll argue black and blue with me in a meeting. Uh, but that's kind of the culture that I encourage. Um, so, but in saying that, you know, if I'm going to make a major decision, then it's infrequent that someone will feel comfortable standing up and going, look, pull your head in. Uh, these two guys do that. Uh, so a simple example is, you know, I was living in the south of France. I thought, shucks, San Diego is a lovely place to live. I can get a nice house by the beach. Um, although eventually that's a bit more expensive than I thought. Um, and, uh, and they said, you know, no way, there's not a lot of software as a service there. Uh, try and, you know, recruit from there for two weeks. Again, strategy test the execution. I tested the market. I couldn't find, you know, um, senior marketing software as a service people. And so they then, you know, suggested uh, Austin. So they're constantly, I say constantly, you know, once every three months, they'll tell me to pull my head in a new idea that I'll have. They'll say, look, you're, you're working on too much. You know, you need to refocus. Um, you need to reduce what it is you're working on, try and reduce your hours, um, uh, constantly try and improve the way, you know, working smarter, not harder. But they, they're always giving me great advice, but the best advice I ever had, I think, from them and also and others is <clears throat> their success, even you know, growing large companies, billion-dollar companies, is in one sentence, <laughs> which really stuck with me. And uh, their formula is as follows. It's success comes from the right people doing the right things. And you'd think at a glance that's super easy, right? Shucks, we've got a great team. We're all working on valuable stuff. Um, the company's growing. You know, that's that's super easy to meet. But in reality, if you really break it down, the right people doing the right things. You know, constantly they're asking me the question: Well, do we have the right people? As an example, and as it happens, uh, you know, along the way, you know, we've had to course correct a few times over the years, and to make sure that we always have super talented people. Uh, my formula for success as a result of this is that when recruiting, uh, they have to be. Uh, I only recruit people smarter than me, and my wife says it's not hard. <laughs> So the focus on having the right people in the company has really been number one uh, right throughout the journey. But doing the right things is the hardest part because you might have someone who's in customer success, but they're passionate about marketing or they become passionate about marketing during their time in customer success. So you know, at that time, they're likely to leave you know, within you know, one, two or three years. You've got to be able to recognize that, embrace it, support it, help train them and encourage them, and then you know, put them into that marketing role if, if that's what they want. So we've had to really change our recruitment style so that it's super flexible. We, we, we recruit off the person and the talent and not necessarily off the role. Uh, and then we try and custom fit a role to that person. Uh, and the other thing is 
uh, within a team, we've fully embraced people uh, moving through roles. So our current VP of product started as a content manager. Our VP of engineering started in, uh, in technical support. Um, and each of them have had maybe five different career directions between those two roles, all within our company. But I think it's really important if you're um, a leader, really in any space, to embrace the wants and needs and uh, and also the, the talents of the people that work for you to try and you know make their their role a dream. Yeah, I wish I could give you a high five in person right now. Do a virtual <laughs> high five on that, right? Is uh, within our purpose-driven PMO, uh, our, it's all built on empowering people to deliver results, right? It, yep. it, it doesn't matter our process. It doesn't matter our product. If we don't have the people there uh, at the core of that, we're never going to be able to deliver. Uh, so it, that's, you know, we're singing the same song when you tell that story. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and kind of back to you know, the board's advice. Uh, anytime I say, look, we've got a, you know, this area is not growing as fast or we've got a challenge here or we need to pivot here. The first question they have is, uh, which team do you have and are they working on the right things? <laughs> and so more often than not, it's a process thing or a training thing. And, uh, and you know, we, uh, we, we just need to, you know, or a prioritization thing. You know, some people have got way too much work on, so they're not working on the right things at the right time. And the minute that we try and solve it with that, the answer to that question, then we're back on track again. Yeah, and, and again, I'll go back to purpose-driven PMO, right? We, we rebranded PMO because as an industry, we can't even agree what PMO means. Yeah. <laughs> Purpose, measure, optimize, right? And that optimization, it sounds is basically what your board asks when, yeah, when they yeah. do it. Do you have right. the right team working on the right things right now? Have you optimized? Because yep. tomorrow will be different than today. Yep. Um, and it, again, all of this is adding up. It seems like you've, you've gotten great advice uh, and counsel from your board. When did they come into play, right? So a 12-year journey and it took several years before you came to the States. And, and so where, where did they fit into that equation? Yeah, 2014, uh, I was in New Zealand uh, just uh, on vacation. The market was crazy hot for IPOs. Uh, it was uh, at that time, uh, just me doing everything, marketing, customer success, et cetera, and my product uh, and development team. Uh, and so, uh, lots of people said, well, you should IPO. And uh, I started the process. The market got really excited about it because we didn't have much software as a service offerings <laughs> in New Zealand. And, you know, I wasn't up to it. I didn't have a CFO. I didn't have the processes in place, you know, the financial due diligence required. Right. Uh, but along the way, uh, when you IPO, you have to have a top-notch board of directors. And uh, I was very fortunate for uh, both these guys to join me initially for that uh, kind of uh, IPO or uh, large funding raise uh, opportunity. But then, you know, we backed out and decided to continue with the bootstrapping model and love stayed on. But yeah, I, I can't encourage uh, everyone on the call enough to surround yourself with advisors. And they don't have to be a board, you know, they can just be personal advisors and uh, friends and uh, like ideally any problem that you have in life, you need to be able to reach out to someone, you know, confidentially and, uh, and be able to talk to them about it. That one person, I don't know, my mum doesn't always have to, you know, uh, fear the brunt of everything. So I've, I've surrounded myself with a lot of different advisors and all different walks of life. Yeah. You, and, and they don't have to be older, you know, some of them are much younger than me. So yeah, you go. Yeah. 
a, a uh, I think it was Renee Campisi, a prior guest we had on here, had talked about she has her own personal board of directors, right? It's those mm-hmm. those um, professional and personal friends who can be honest with you, uh, regardless of the situation, to give you the feedback you need to hear, not the the feedback you want to hear. That's right, and there's there's often an elephant in the room you're just not seeing it, and uh, someone who's you know, not caught up in it like your partner, as an example, either business partner or husband or wife, um, you know, they, uh, they can often see it and call it out. So you're wildly successful in the project management space. You have these, this product or multiple products now that serve that community. Uh, I bet you didn't see COVID coming, uh, <laughs> but you've had to react to it. What, you know, get out that shiny crystal ball, right? What, what services do you think you guys will be providing in the future? Where is our industry headed, right? That you're going to be able to serve them? Yeah, in our case, you know, we've got a lot of customers who sign up that uh, that have a project management problem. And uh, we all know that uh, the solution to any problem uh, isn't necessarily always just using a tool. Uh, in my experience, no matter what the problem is in life, typically it stems from people. <laughs> it's people that cause environmental problems or that, uh, I don't know, maybe it was bats that caused COVID, who knows? <laughs> so, yeah, with, the, with that in mind, uh, we are, um, are looking to expand on our services offering for sure. Uh, we have a lot of customers, as I said, that sign up that uh, they have this problem. They uh, they will use a tool to try and solve that. And, uh, you know, the visibility issue is an example, but they also often have a lack of knowledge on uh, on how to, uh, how to, you know, really improve their success. And that's where us partnering with the organization or building out a services offering will come in. Uh, so consulting services, training services, we're just spinning those up at the moment. Uh, our first default, of course, uh, is to produce content to solve those problems. And so we've produced an awful lot of video content to try and help customers. We've got thousands of videos uh, in our training section on our website uh, to just general project management training uh, to help customers solve problems. So, yeah, in terms of where the industry is going, uh, it's changing radically. <clears throat> uh, what's, I think, going to happen in the next three to five years is services and product will just become synonymous. Uh, you know, service people will be providing product, product people will be providing services because it's all about solving the, uh, you know, the root of the problem, which is that uh, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's a, a personal issue. Well, again, it's uh, hard to believe, I say this every show, right? But it's hard to believe we've already kicked through about an hour on this um, and what a great road you've taken on your journey and sharing with us today that the amazing origin story for the company, but also um, how to be a project manager as an individual, right? On your daily life, how you operate within a company and then how to grow that company. Right. I mean, man, you you gave us a lot of knowledge today. I mean, you covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience or how can the audience get in touch with you? I mean, what's what's kind of your final uh, thoughts for us for the day? 
Uh, I guess I've just got one tip, I guess, and then I can provide my contact details. Uh, the tip is, you know, I was a project manager for all those years, 15 years. <laughs> I did the time, paid the grime. <laughs> so I lived the plan. You know, planning was my life as a project manager. But I lived the plan. And I think that we, as project managers, sometimes need to back out and plan to live, <laughs> you know, to see the moment, to enjoy the day, to experience those even tiny successes every day. Uh, and I think it's especially important in this current climate with COVID and, you know, political climate in the US, et cetera, for us to really make the most of, uh, of every individual day. And, uh, and those small successes that take place, you know, with the team to shout them out, to reward and to recognise and to, to fuel kind of a positive energy so that we're, you know, planning to live as opposed to, to living the plan. I guess that's my, uh, my last tip. And that's, that's something that, I, you know, I work on every day. I plan in the morning for the first half an hour to an hour, <laughs> and, then I, and then I plan to live for the rest. <laughs> well, that's great advice uh, and, and lots of great information throughout the show. So I really appreciate, Jason, you coming in and sharing with our audience. Um, and of course, uh, how can folks get in touch with you and where can they learn more about your product and company? Sure, I'm pretty easy. I'm uh, Jason, J-A-S-O-N, at projectmanager.com. And uh, obviously, projectmanager.com is our, our website and domain name. And yeah, like if you, if you go to the, the website, there's a resource section down uh, on the top right. Uh, we've got uh, blog, training videos. Uh, if you go to, in fact, uh, we've got templates and eBooks, uh, not about the product, but just about how to uh, you know, manage projects more successfully. There are thousands of pieces of content there. And likewise, if you were to go on YouTube and type in projectmanager.com, you'll find on our channel and again we've got hundreds of videos there to to try and you know help encourage project managers to manage projects more successfully that's fantastic thank you again for joining us today and of course thank you to all our listeners uh, please be sure everyone to go out to projectmanagementofficehours.com to check out all the past shows we've had and see a list of our upcoming guests uh, next we have cornelius fickner who will be joining us in december Kieran Bondale will be joining us to wrap up the year out of Canada. And then really excited uh, for our first show next year, we're going to have Billy Mwape from Africa. That's our first guest joining us from Africa. And Billy will be joining us live from Zambia. Um, also a reminder to everybody that these shows are recorded. So please subscribe to Project Management Office Hours. The podcast is available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, you name it. Uh, every podcast platform we're out there. And thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Visit thepmosquad.com to learn about the purpose-driven PMO and all of their project management services. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.